You have reached the Geek Elite. Good luck. I'd like to think that behind the scenes, David Harbour became a diva because he started acting in more movies. And that hasn't panned out like he thought. So it's kind of like, oh, oh. Hellboy, damn it. They're like, yeah, you were in somehow the least successful Hellboy movie. Right. Welcome back for another shift on the Geeks Watch. We have done a thing. We've what do we told, do? We've told the ladies to get out. We don't want their opinion this week. <laughs> I, I didn't do that. You I, did I, that. I you were the biggest cheer for it, Stephen. I. This is on record. <laughs> I was not there for this unrecorded event. <laughs> no, it's not true. We did not tell them to get out. They uh, are on vacation. They're on assignment. Oh. There we go. They're, they're yeah. out. <laughs> oh, so, so I should put my pants back on then. <laughs> they're no you can have them off now no, okay like, they're out there stealing the like what is it episode one from skywalker ranch <laughs> is that what it is are they going are they what are they going for black widow wait am i dying is that what you went with fanboys <laughs> that's what's going on here no the, we're, we're getting the um they're, they're trying to get the topher grace cut of episode one <laughs> oh, I didn't know Skywalker Ranch had that. <laughs> I'm pretty sure they sent out their elite team of like seals to go take that from him and like put it in the vault. I hear you can train seals to do a lot. It's true. <laughs> but we are still going to talk about the Falcon and the Winter Soldier on Disney Plus, episode four. The world is watching. I mean, in more ways than one, as we came to see. Yeah, we didn't know that it was going to end that way for this one. <laughs> like, Wait, I, before spoilers, who are you? I oh, I'm Mitch. Yeah, who who are you? Oh, are you talking to me? Yeah, I, I I am John, and I'm Stephen. Do you really feel like we need to introduce ourselves at the beginning of every episode? I don't know because at, at some point there's going to be a time when this is someone's first episode, you know. And I worry, I worry. Hey, that's that's a Stanley rule of comic books. Always it's introduce true. yourself. I'll know all those th- like forty thousand editor notes. Yeah, uh, like every every issue is somebody's first issue. The, every that is true. That is a, a Stanleyism. All right, from now on, I will make sure to try and remember to introduce everybody. But Excelsior. the two <laughs> and the two uh, members of the Geek Watch that are not here are Elizabeth and Jessica. So they will be back next week. But uh, I just wanted to say, like, yeah, uh, that ending. I, I, I wasn't spoiled for me before I watched it, but I did see a lot of people just like tweet out like, oh, my God. And then hashtag <laughs> like <laughs> uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier. So uh, we will get to that, but only after we get to our shortened version of the week's watch. So Steven, you're up first. What did you watch this week? I forgot that I would be the person who would go first if she wasn't here. I mean, so the way I always choose it is, well, obviously because Elizabeth is usually sitting next to me and then I go in the direction of how my screen looks for discord. So Uh, that's how you end up being second or first. If Elizabeth isn't here. Okay. Well for this week, honestly, I, I watched a lot of things. But the majority of those things were 
going back to things that I've already watched before. Mm-hmm. Um, so the thing that fits the most as a new thing for me was that I actually went back and watched the full season of Star Trek Lower Deck. Ooh. On uh, on Paramount Plus. I really wanted to call it CBS All Access. <clears throat> yeah, you know I, I had... Oh, sorry, not to cut you off, but I find it the funniest thing that... It, and I'm not one of the, I'm not a, a Star Trek person. I've never been really a big fan, but like you, you start off with just the original series and then, yeah, they had the animated original series for a little bit, like a, what was it two seasons, I think. And yeah. then we got uh next generation, which I think, I feel like brought in a whole bunch of people into the, into the franchise. Uh, and then we also had the original series, like crew movies. And then you mm-hmm. got the next generation movies, but like there wasn't, a lot and there was a lot of time in between all these properties and then the weird thing was that they did it like at the time when next generation was happening there was no time between all the things that happened after that until like, i would say the jj abrams movies yeah that's true we did get there, the were, there were times where there was there was more than one star trek series on the air as like a mainline Star Trek series. Because like D- D- Deep Space Nine and, and Voyager. And Voyager. <laughs> yeah. So you had those. And then, but then, oh, then you had Enterprise, I guess, uh, which a lot of people don't <laughs> like to remember. Uh, yeah. But then eventually 2009, you get J.J. Abrams movie. And then because CBS All Access was coming out, they needed a, they wanted to, you know, their flagship show, which would have been a Star Trek show since it's a. Starship show, uh, <laughs> uh, which you get Discovery. But now you have so many Star Trek shows out. You have Picard. You have this. You have uh, Lower Decks. You have Discovery. You have um, Prodigy, which is going to be on Nickelodeon. Uh, so they 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 own like P- Paramount is also uh, under like the same ownership and everything as Nickelodeon. Nick- I think Paramount is the one that own or Viacom owns all of them. Right. Yeah, and so they're using they, Paramount they're, they're as the name. Together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like just like how Warner Media is using HBO Max as the name instead of just being like the Warner streaming. Yeah. So, but no, for this one, uh, honestly, it's weird because as a person who watched Star Trek and liked Star Trek as a kid, uh, I don't know if it was just because I was there for like very specific kinds of things. I do agree a little bit with the people who think that newer Star Trek isn't Star Trek because really? Star Trek initially was exploration, breaking down boundaries and borders and everything, telling stories through very heavy handed metaphor, you know, like those things. That's what Star Trek was for me. It was never supposed to be this crazy idea where there's always like a some big conflict where someone's like at war with somebody or anything like that. And that's what star Trek very much is right now. They've done a good job of mixing in other things, but I think they are, they also are falling to the idea of what you're supposed to do for TV shows and movies. Mm. Um, like in that, in that same kind of vein for things, I think that lower decks might be the one that's actually the most star Trek for me (laughs) since like probably the, uh, um, the next generation. Well, since I, I haven't watched it and I haven't really watched, I, I definitely haven't watched, uh, uh, a lot of star Trek, <laughs> but I feel like that the show that you're talking about that you, you want is galaxy quest <laughs> or not galaxy quest. Um, uh, what was the, the Seth MacFarlane show? 
Oh God. Uh, I, I forget. Uh, I, I can't remember the name. I, I can't know, remember. But we all know it's the Seth MacFarlane one. Yeah. Yeah. Like that. I feel like that's Orville. Orville that's right. The Orville, which yeah. is supposed to come back on Hulu for a, a third final season, but has yeah. yet to, to happen. Seth MacFarlane just makes things happen through sheer force of will and connections at this point. I mean, so he'll make it happen if he wants it. He will. He will. But uh, no, for like with with Star Trek, the thing that I expected was for them to talk about something, have a message, and then again do it through this like, metaphor for things. You know, like green people obviously represent someone who is like a, like of like a person of color. Like in in so many situations, you'd go to some society where it was some microcosm of some human story, you know. Right, right. And this show does that while still parodying other things, having a good time, having an action scene. But it's not that everyone's at conflict with somebody else. Like, I think this is one of the most Star Trek things possible for twenty 2020 twenty and twenty twenty one. So I I really enjoyed it. I think if if you're a fan of Rick and Morty. Uh, that's obviously right there because of the animation style and everything. But if you're a fan of Star Trek or adult animation in general, I recommend it, honestly. Now, does this have a humorous slant to it? Like, it's meant it's to be funny? entirely that. Okay. Because, yeah. see, there was that one episode of um, The Next Generation that I thought was what they were going to be going for, um, where it's all from the point of view of <clears throat> of like lower crewmen it's, or, it is still that it is still that okay so somebody could still be getting sent like on a suicide mission but they treat it with a sense of humor instead of like all the gravitas that's the whole thing and they, okay. they have tons of puns and jokes and references in there like john do you remember that episode where there were those little the little drone robot things that had like a little proby front that gained sentience it would be a little more specific than that. That's fair, that's fair. It is Star Trek. Um, <laughs> yeah, there are these little like drone robots with little like feet on them. They look like like a robot version of the Fry Guys from McDonald's. But they um <laughs> like they that one of those plays a role in the season finale for this. Like they, okay, they have deep cut references in there. They they even they mentioned the yeah where song. where they basically are like oh yeah we programmed these drones to like be like really uh, have like a, a neural net that learned yep. or whatever and then they find out like oh wait no they, it's actually thinking like it's yeah. that it it wants to like live and you're th- you're talking about shutting okay yeah I remember yeah those guys. And the one that like they like fabricate tools and stuff on the front yes. they like invent a tool and fabricate it yes so yes yes that, oh, those, yeah, those are, are cool. in there those are in there interesting that is a deep cut man. <laughs> So I I I think it's a good one. It, even if you don't understand those references, though, it's still a good time. I recommend it wholeheartedly. I found myself after I finished the season, like, am I going to start the season over again while I'm just sitting here on the couch? Yup. And I just push play again. <laughs> so so does, I, I recommend that one. Does Lower Decks take place on on the Enterprise? No, it's on the Cerrito. Is so the you name got- of the ship? They have that one. I don't know where Prodigy is supposed to take place. I assume it's supposed to take place in Starfleet Academy. Um, yeah, I, I forgot. She's a that, I forgot that uh, Pike is going to have his own show. Is that going to take place on the Enterprise? Uh, I, I I would imagine it would have to because he's, as far as I know, that's the only thing he's a captain of, except for that time in um, Discovery, the new one, Discovery, where he took over. Yeah, because you have Discovery, you're going to have that, and. Uh, 
did did they ever confirm that they were going to give um Michelle Yeoh Picard? her own show? Oh yeah, and you got Picard. I don't. Does he mm-hmm. have a ship in that? Uh, so it it's that's a complicated one. It's more following Picard than any ship or anything else okay. in particular. <laughs> uh, but no, for for this one, like I just there's there's a lot that they're doing <laughs> they're always gonna have ships I, I don't know about the michelle yo one so far i think that they have to cap it after like one more thing past what's already out there otherwise it's too much and the app will falter under the weight <laughs> of carrying all this star trek but they're on top of yeah. paramount mountain <laughs> paramount <laughs> paramount <laughs> Yeah, that, that is the funny thing talking about there because uh, we just recently watched something. I don't know if you guys did, but I watched this video explaining why time loops have become so prominent. Yeah. And like on a meta level, that's because like the studios like banking on stuff that's known and they don't like banking on something until it's been proven mm-hmm. as functional, you know, whereas before it's experimental. And I think that's where Star Trek is right now, where it's like paramount is banking on everything that's worked so far yeah but they don't want to take that risk of pushing it any further and actually advancing the story yeah like at this point it's it's star wars in in that you can do anything inside of it with different genres i think we're seeing that explored and i mean if you want to see the different genres just watch the next generation because they do everything in there yeah They, they make a lot of good jokes about the holodeck because of how heavily that was used in TNG, uh, in in lower decks, it's good. Do you do you watch Picard? Right, season one. Mm-hmm. Um, do they ever? Do, does Picard ever go back to the Stargazer? So the, the, there's like they talk about it a lot in flashbacks, but thinking about it right now, after some time, I don't recall that he did. Okay, because I was thinking about that. I was like, wait a minute, they actually found the ship at one point in the Next Generation, and mm-hmm. they took it back. So I was wondering if it was going to be one of those where he goes and commandeers his old ship, you know, for that one last adventure or whatever. They they, they talk about a ship, it a lot. right? They they talk about it a lot. They, okay. He says Stargazer almost as much as he says like the and of in the series. Wow. <laughs> obviously, obviously, I'm joking. Like any like super mega Star Trek nerds, like get at me on Twitter, I guess. But <laughs> I'm um, that, was, that was a cool design, though. I like that ship. I had like the quad nacelles. Yeah, I, that's the one. That's the one issue I take with the lower decks thing. That we see the ship get grabbed by something and they pull off one of the nacelles, and I'm like, yeah, no, that makes sense. That's a shitty design. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, all of them have that. It's like on the flimsiest, least re- like reinforced part of the ship. Yeah, the only one that ever solves that one. This is this is the Star Trek podcast, but becomes that. Is do we do that? We did Discovery the first season. Was I there for this? Yes, you was your suggestion. <laughs> Podcasting. <laughs> no, yeah, the, the only one that ever solved that I think was actually the Enterprise from TNG because they can exist as separate sections. True. They, they can true. remove the hull, the saucer, the disc, yeah, yeah. the saucer. Mm-hmm. Uh, so anyway, you can watch that on HBO. Uh, no, no, nope. no, you, you can, can watch, watch that on Paramount Plus. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Did you have anything else for your week's watch that you want to talk about? We have time to fill. You might be talking about the one that I would talk about, aside from that. <laughs> I figured I would be. Uh, all right. Uh, John, what did you watch this week? All right. So um, this week's watch was a bit disappointing because um, it could be briefly uh, 
summarized as misadventures in parenting. Um, school is back on, and I have a very willful demon child that doesn't like to do her homework. You watch The so, Omen. <laughs> if only. I, I do keep searching for that like birthmark in the back of the ear. I was like, I must have missed it. It's in there somewhere. I know it. Um, but no, so I ended up having to like only have enough time to watch the stuff I needed to watch for like supplemental things. So I ended up watching my week's watch. Uh, well, technically not my week's watch. I watched the thing I needed to for a separate podcast that we ended up not doing anyway. <laughs> and um, the one for our VHS gems. Those are the only two things I had a full, solid block of time that I could to watch both like those two things. Um, but in the little bit of time I had, um, let's say taking care of business, where I wasn't fully busy, but I only had maybe like a 10-minute chunk of time, I started playing a mobile game. It was actually a previous recommendation from one of our other uh, Geeks Watchers. Uh, Jessica, I believe, talked about this in the past. And I downloaded it based solely on that recommendation. Hadn't touched it until like this past week. Mm -hmm. So I don't even know how long ago that was. But I played the game Gris. Oh, that's a good game! That yeah. is an amazing game. I, I recommended that one to her, and then she okay. recommended this good. <laughs> so I, yeah, I, I had a like in the the small chunks of time that I've had to play this game, I was just blown away. I was like, this thing is beautiful, and like it's been a while since I could say that about a video game because I just don't get the time to play as much. So I'm sure there's beautiful games out there, but this one just it seems to have a really compelling. Um, I can't. I don't know if I want to say narrative because there's like no direct story. It's all just implied, conveyed through like narrative. Yes, there's there's like through music and through like just changes in the atmosphere. Like I love how the game progresses from being black and white, basically, or shades of gray, to like slowly incorporating different colors into it. And as you progress, it it becomes more colorful. And I also love the fact that it's like a watercolor style. Mm -hmm. Um, this thing reminds me so much of Mobius's artwork mm. that it's like watching basically one of his comic books come to life. Um, and a lot of the, the background design and a lot of the, the choices, um, things as simple as just like stone walls look like they have so much personality to them. And the, it, it's a, it's a platformer with some puzzle elements. Um, mm. if you played the game Limbo, this would be like almost the same type of gameplay where it's very simple controls um as you progress in the game you learn new abilities and you basically like it trains you as you go it's like okay now you learn how to do this you're going to be using this to solve the puzzles in this portion <laughs> of the game that kind of mentality it's not too difficult there's been a couple of times where i'm like okay what am i supposed to do you know maybe a little bit of backtracking or maybe trying something a little different usually gets you the result that you're looking for in order to progress to the next section um, one thing I wasn't expecting that I also really loved about it was the music. Yeah. Uh, it has, um, I guess you could say it has context sensitive music because it changes depending on what you're doing and where you're at. Um, so like early on, there's one section where it's very calm and serene sounding, but then like these gusts of winds start blowing and then the music picks up in like a much more, um, I want to say desperate tempo. Like, oh, yeah. no, like, this is danger right now. And then it kind of, like, goes away, and then it calms back down again. And I was like, that is really cool sounding. I really like how that works. Um, but it reminded me a lot of one of my favorite movies' soundtracks. I really love the movie The Fountain. 
Um, it's by Darren Aronofsky. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's and, all black um, and white. No, not that one. No. Not that one. No. no, that one's Pi. Yeah. Which this one, Hugh Jackman? Yeah. Yes, this is the okay, Hugh Jackman. Why am I thinking it's black and white? Maybe because it's huh. the its use of color. A, it's very specific. And maybe they I put guess. out. Maybe you put out a black and white version. <laughs> that might have been. Yeah, they, that could have been a black and white uh, Aronofsky cut. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I kind of love and hate that that's become a joke now. Like for everything, there's a, there's a cut of something else. I love um, it. What was it that I saw recently? Oh, yeah. Well, we the just joked about it earlier. The, the Topher yeah, cut. The, oh, the Topher cut, yeah. <laughs> um, the Topher cut. That's not so stupid. Um, <laughs> but, um, yeah. So, like, I love the music of The Fountain because it's very simplistic. It's uh, uh, Clint Munsell is the composer. He also did the music for other Aronofsky projects like uh, Requiem for a Dream. I mean, everybody has heard like Lux Eterna from that movie. Um, it's like super overly dramatic. And that's how Ar- Aronofsky's movies are. They're not subtle movies by any means. Like, he's definitely a director whom I like, but I can also be like, dude, you're trying really hard right now. I mean, like, I, I, I'm bringing my own personal bias in this one, but like, that makes sense. That you wouldn't have any subtlety if you're like ripping off your ideas from somebody else. Oh yeah, he takes movie uh, ideas from like I mean, Black Swan was almost entirely a ripoff of what was it? Be- Satoshi Big Kon's Blue? movie. Yeah. Yep. Perfect. Yeah, it's pressure. Yeah, and um, and that yeah. So he, but to be fair, he bought the rights to it. He's not straight up ripping it off. He bought the rights to copy it. So. Mm-hmm. It, it it was a legal ripoff, at least. If not, you know, maybe not a moral one, but legal one. Um, so yeah, like he's one that I have reservations about. I wouldn't say I like him as a person, um, mm-hmm. but I like the movies he's put out. I like how he directs, um, but I can also agree that he is kind of an a hole person. And, um, but yeah, the music from The Fountain, like literally one of the songs came on my playlist and I'm like, this sounds like it's the music from Gris. <laughs> and like, I would not be surprised if I could play the soundtrack and it would go perfectly with the with the game. Other than the game is also context sensitive, so it will change depending on what you're doing. So that's the only disadvantage. But um, that makes me think I probably would like a soundtrack of this game as well, just because it's that good in and of itself. They have the soundtrack and out for this. I've, I've listened to it while doing stuff before. Which is probably something I'm going to have to do now, yeah. Because I'm going into a more orchestral phase right now. Like, I'm kind of going past my my uh, synthwave phase and my, my retro uh, 80s synth stuff that I was into, like, for, like, a good year, I want to say. I was really into... Um, Your Carpenter Brutes. Yes, all that retro new wave stuff with the uh, the purple neon. And the, uh, the the pink grid landscapes playing in the background. Um, so right now I'm more I'm starting to get into my uh, my more orchestral um, composers, my Alan Silvestri's, my Hans Zimmerman's, my of course John Williams. You know respect. Mm. And uh, yeah, <laughs> Clint Mansell is definitely in there. Can can I recommend a game for you to possibly try next? You most definitely can. It's also on mobile now. Um, I would say it's. Like a akin to this one, if you liked Limbo, it's from the same people. The game's called Inside. Oh, is that the one where it's it's a little bit more in color, but still really like subdued, and yeah. you're supposed to like avoid being caught by like security or something like that mm-hmm. or a camera. Yeah, yeah, I saw the trailer for that, so that one has good music too. 
Yeah, uh, it's not, it, there's practically no music whatsoever. Oh, it's really? Just, if if you if you liked Grease, uh, and then and like enjoyed enjoyed um, Limbo before, and are okay with Limbo minus the Journey element that ended up in Greece. Okay. Then I think Inside works right there. Yeah, I'd be really interested in trying it out. Absolutely. I keep hearing you say Gris, but I keep thinking you're saying Greece, and I'm like, what does that, the that's musical it have to be? <laughs> oh, you mean Greece like that? Yeah. yeah but the, the word actually, it's 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 supposed to be pronounced Greece. I said Gris for like a year and a half. Ah. And then someone from the actual studio was like, yeah, no, it's Greece. And <laughs> I guess it means gray. And so I was like, God damn it. <laughs> like, well, it's gray in Spanish, but you? I wasn't sure. Yeah, it's like, that, that's that's how I would have decided to do it. But like this person was responding straight to you that it's supposed to be pronounced. No, God, no. Oh, okay. uh-uh, that would, I would, no, I would die. <laughs> <laughs> if they called you out on it, you'd be like, I I cannot exist anymore. Yeah, I was I like, bye, delete my shame. <laughs> Cancelled. <laughs> so that is a mobile game that you can that you, I assume you can get off of whatever uh, uh, mobile service you use or phone you use. I'm pretty sure it's available on like Twitch and probably some other app stores though. Everything. It's available on Twitch. Twitch. Uh, Switch. Yeah, oh, it is Switch. on everything. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, um, I have it on PlayStation. I bought it on PlayStation Four. Oh, okay, yeah. I would imagine it's it's compatible with uh, PS Five as well and everything. Uh, it's mm. it's a Unity game. They built it in Unity, so it's maximum compatibility. Cool. Did you have anything else you wanted to talk about, John? Uh, yes. Uh, at one point, the game was so beautiful looking, and but like I hate it watching it on my phone screen. I just decided to Chromecast it to my TV, <laughs> and was using my cell phone as like a controller, which was a really weird backwards way of doing it. And then I realized, oh, I also have a Bluetooth controller. So in like a roundabout sort of way, I was using my cell phone as a Stadia. Nice. Yep. I was. Is there any? Is there any lag or latency when doing it that way? Um, like between your what with, you do on the controller and what you do on what you see on the screen. It depends on the game. If it's a game that's very graphic intensive, then yes, there is a little bit of a delay. Um, but with this one, because of its the way that you play it, it's very negligible, if anything. And it's not one where you have to have lightning quick reflexes. Really, it's just a matter of timing. Mm-hmm. Um, so by the time you do something on the controller, like it'll happen pretty much close to real time on the screen. And if it messes up, just do it again slightly sooner, and then it still ha- you know then you'll get what you want. Because like the hardest element about this game is just timing your jumps in some parts, and that's really it. Like it's not there's not a whole lot to it uh, mechanics wise. It really is more about like enjoying what's happening on screen and the sound really. The, uh, John, you had mentioned like how peaceful and ambient the parts were. They actually had their art style and aesthetic ripped off by a meditation app. I've heard. I remember hearing that somewhere, and like it caused like this big mess online. Like people were calling them out on it. I was very glad to see people get it right on that one and not go like, "How could this game rip off this stuff from this meditation app?" <laughs> I was happy. Was there anything else you wanted to throw on your week's watch, John? Uh, no, that was it. That's literally all I was able to like squeeze in this week. For my week's watch, I was very disappointed by Netflix. Because <laughs> I you actually have two things. I, had, uh, I watched the first episode of The Irregulars. And oh. I, 
I was very interested in watching this, but that first episode was just boring. Like it just did not capture my attention at all. It doesn't um, get better. Really? So you've yeah. gone further. We watched that whole season. Yeah. This, I was like, I don't know if I could go any further than this. Uh, I don't know what that... Ver- like, I understand deviation from the the source material, but I hate that version of Sherlock. <laughs> so this is... Uh, is, wait, is, is it also a book? Like, where they talk about these particular characters? Like, I understand it's a spinoff from Sherlock Holmes and stuff like that, but... I, I don't know if it's adapted from something. I didn't watch the credits okay. to catch that, honestly. <laughs> it uh, feels like a thing that's adapted from something. Yeah, it really does. I, so, yeah, I, I I cannot recommend that for anybody. Like, it was a... I feel like there was a time when it was... A, it, if it's called a Netflix original show, like, you're probably going to get good quality of story and, like, special effects or something. But now... I feel like they're kind of just throwing everything at the wall, like, (laughs) which also makes me think, like, why isn't there more stuff on here? (laughs) (laughs) Well, remember, they're putting out what even just an anime, they're putting out an anime a week for like this whole year. So they've got quantity. They have quantity. This is true. I do think that their algorithm at this point does hide a good portion of their stuff from me. Oh, okay. Honestly. Yeah. I mean, I tend to, since I'm the one that like, that does all the trailer hunting for the social media and stuff like that. Like I saw the trailer for this and I was like, okay, that's interesting. Like I like the Sherlock Holmes stories or movies at least and, and TV shows. So this could be something cool, but yeah, I didn't. And I don't even think I got to the first episode doesn't even show you Sherlock Holmes. Like Mm -mm. it's all about John Watson and we're not all about John Watson. You only see John Watson. I just don't understand what they're doing with the show. Like wasn't, and maybe I'm I'm wrong, but wasn't like Sherlock Holmes all about like proving things were not mystical and supernatural that it's all science and some someone's doing something? So like this show is different. It's weird. I I don't know what to say about it in a big way except to know that I would never recommend it. There's no way for me to summarize this show because anything I say would have to be so like multi layered for criticisms that I would I would lose the plot halfway through trying to fully describe what about this wasn't good? I don't even feel anything for the characters in the moments when they're supposed to have big moments, honestly. And that's with the full season in mind. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I cannot recommend it. It sounds, uh, sounds like Steven doesn't recommend it. My other watch, which was what I would I I'm probably like, 7030 not a fan of Melissa McCarthy movies. Um so I watched Thunder Force cuz I'm a big fan of Octavia Spencer. I think she's great. This is a bad movie. Like <laughs> they need she needs to stop doing movies that are written and directed by Ben Falcone, her husband. Like it's <laughs> just not working out for her. Uh I think the last one I remember was the one where she's like that CEO that loses her company and Kristen Bell is in it and like they sell Girl Scout cookies to make make back her fortune or something like it it was a bad movie too I don't even remember what the name of that movie was called um I I don't know like it everything about I don't know who this movie is for is for like is it is it supposed to be a woman empowerment movie then I feel like they they missed the point in that that point and then it's also written and directed by a guy so like 
it's very male gazy. Like there's, is this supposed to be for superhero people? Like, cause it's not that it's definitely not feel, that. It feels like they tried to make a movie for the people who were, who really enjoyed sky high, but grew up by like three years only. <laughs> I mean, I get, I guess I get, I get the sky high feel from it, but like, I like sky high so much better. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, the, the powers, like, I really get tired of like the generic superhero of just having super strength. Like, I feel like they could have done something more. And then there's a reveal with one of the characters later on. I don't, I don't want to spoil, but like it, it's cool. Like I, I feel like that's the better power they should have used um, from the beginning. But like we're talking about the the like the surprise. third of the trifecta yes, of powers. The third, okay. yeah. Uh, like, and this is in the trailer. So you got Melissa McCarthy gets super strength, and Octavia Spencer gets invisibility. Mm-hmm. And I feel like they never use invisibility to the proper way that it needs to be used. One, it's not a it's not a uh, offensive power it's very much defensive power, but -hmm. yet they try to use it in an offensive way. And like, I feel like 80 years of comic books has shown you that invisibility is not an offensive power. (laughs) Yeah. I, they like one of the things I also don't, I I feel like if they were going to make this movie past the idea of like one drunk conversation that people had at 2 AM one Mm -hmm. night, that's what this feels like. It's exactly as well baked as that conversation. They made such a point of splitting up powers between these people, and she, like Octavia Spencer, says, "Like I should have gotten the like the super strength as well because like I'm smart and I know what to do with it." Uh huh. They never deal with the idea of like, yeah, I'm super strong, but also like when I hit things, it still hurts me real bad. Like super strength doesn't mean super durability. It doesn't mean invulnerability. Yeah. Yeah. Some people will tell you that like a certain amount of super strength does give you invulnerability, but like mm-hmm. there's no real reason why. <laughs> well, then she, then she should also have the other third trifecta of the powers. Yes. If exactly. we're talking about that. Yeah. Um, and then like it, like the training montage that they do, it's like <laughs> you, it, it doesn't make any sense. Like the whole circus, uh, carnival game. Like why? Like you are this big tech company there should be a more technical way of training powers. And then they're, they're keep like the joke of keep going to punch that assistant guy. It's like, that's, that's not right. Like you're hurting him. <laughs> there's, <laughs> that, I, I, there's so much that's just wrong. I feel in this movie, in the way that they portray powers. And I get it. It's like, it's supposed to be a comedy, but like, there's not hmm. enough comedy in this to be a comedy. And I, Melissa we're, McCarthy we're, tends to like, let a scene run way too long or maybe it's Ben Falcone that that lets a scene run too long like yeah we get it there there was a tweet that I saw going around that was like Melissa McCarthy's um her improv skills continue to be unmatched I think the idea of thinking that all of these comedic actors can just have flat lighting for a scene and just let them improv and we'll pull one of those out in post to be the official one that goes in the movie. We know it doesn't work now. We've seen it fail so many times, guys. Like, let's just not do it. Can we just write good scripts? 
I mean, that hey, would be but great. Ghostbusters 2016 was amazing, according to everybody on Twitter. I was fine with that movie. I liked I that movie. I didn't love it, but it was a movie. Like, that was a serviceable movie. This one is not that. I mean, I like that movie for Kate McKinnon and Kristen Wiig. Yeah, that's, like, exactly. <laughs> that's literally the entire reason. No, Kate yeah, McKinnon, like you Chris, can let her Chris do whatever Hendrick. she wants. Yes. She can she can improv as much as she wants and I'll have a good time. <laughs> yeah, I like I like see that's one of those movies where I should theoretically like everything about it, but it was just such a hot mess. That's I mean it, that's it, fine. There were But there I were heard it was there? really edited down though, and they need to release the fucking Feige cut or whatever. <laughs> Uh, it's not Feige, Feige, there yeah, you go. Yeah, the, the, like I'll, I'll say that movie has a lot of the same kind of flaws that honestly this movie did. In like the the background plot of things does not lead to a full movie no matter what. In in Ghostbusters you had the part they kept going back to with the ley lines and this and that. Like those parts honestly do nothing to move the the movie forward. And for the for thunder force the exact same thing there's the the background plot of the other guys running for mayor who's nothing of a bad guy he's somehow like so little he has he has so little of motivation that i feel more strongly for the motivations of the guy with the chair head from the tick cartoon <laughs> chippendale <laughs> chair face <laughs> yeah i just i don't understand how they did that to me and they wasted jason bateman they really yeah. wasted J- jason bateman and 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 um Bobby Carvanal, Carvanale, uh, as as what was his name? William the King Stephen running for mail, running for mayor Stevens. Yeah, uh, like it's just like he calls himself the king. Like you did nothing to bury the lead that he's the bad guy. Like who runs for the ma- for mayor and calls themselves the king? Like that's just terrible. Also, one of the best jokes in the entire movie goes un- unappreciated by anybody. And it's the part where Melissa McCarthy, they make a joke the whole movie about them being like in their mid forties when she's having dinner with Jason Bateman that one time, she says like, yeah, what is this cannibal? Like a, a cannibal restaurant. Cause they, they're trying to offer crab to Jason Bateman who has crab arms. Uh, there, there, she's like, what is the cannibal restaurant? That's like, if you brought a 32 year old woman for me to eat, cause I'm 32. Nobody acknowledges this. And that's like the best joke in the whole goddamn movie. It's because it doesn't make any like, they keep trying to act like they're in their late thirties in this movie when both actresses are fifty years old. Like they, <laughs> this is this was not the right vehicle for them. They, it, it should have been forty year olds playing this role. So just Barbet Star for this movie. <laughs> I don't know. I didn't watch that movie. <laughs> you were gonna say something though, John. Uh, no, yeah, I was just gonna say that was an impressive pool with the uh, chair face reference because I just saw a meme like yesterday about that character and I'm like, whoa, what are the odds that that would be on the internet and then somebody would be talking about it at the same time or close it's in to the it. Like, yeah, yeah, it's, no, it's coming we, back. We went over this. I am the the source of all capture code <laughs> processing. I mean, if you look at like uh, you look at um the tick that was like the first comic book to like do the whole we're gonna break down comic book tropes and and really expose what comic books you know are ridiculous about and that's through comedy through comedy and i mean that's what we get with the boys and and invincible now like that it's kind of funny that how that's come around and the the deconstruction the deconstruction Mm -hmm. and and like we had Amazon had the tick for season one and season two. It just did not get enough promotion, I feel. 
Yeah. I'll be honest. I, I was I was disappointed that they canceled the first live action version with uh Patrick Warburton. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um because I thought that was like perfect casting. But I also never watched it, so I contributed to the cancellation. <laughs> well, he, got, um, he, he, to, got, he got brought back around. Well, he's oh, the to be, producer of the new one. Mm-hmm. And I like how they referenced that in Ted 2, when he's doing cosplay, he's dressed as the tick. And, yeah. <laughs> um, the guy who played Worf is playing like a lower version, like a cheaper version of himself also. That's just pretty funny. I should have talked about that as my week's watch. Michael Dorn is Battle Beast. That's what I was going to bring up next. So my last <laughs> thing was that the latest episode of Invincible, Michael Warburton does do Battle is Battle Beast, and like I, it was a very cool fight scene. Like that, uh, the the rest of the show, like I am losing interest in. Like really, I am. It there's not enough stuff moving forward. Like the training of of Invincible just isn't exciting to me anymore. Like. The f- the fight scene between uh, those characters and 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 then um, Machine Head like <laughs> I love the actors I love Jeffrey Donovan as Machine Head like mm-hmm. uh, Mahershala Ali as Titan. I don't know what, Titan that's right Titan like that's that's great casting uh, Michael Doran as Battle Beast which the only problem was is that I don't understand why Battle Beast is there like Machine Head's like I can pay people because I'm rich and like he doesn't seem like the kind of guy that came from outer space just to fight someone because he got paid because he's all about like I need the battle I think he got told like we, I need people to fight these great warriors I'll give you money and the guy was like ah great warriors I'll fight the great warriors <laughs> so who is Battle Beast supposed to be the, the analog for like I can see who everybody Dark else is side? You feel like it's dark side? If we're just going for the combatant element of stuff. Hmm. Hey, I, I, well, I don't know anything about this because I haven't been watching it. I don't know anything. I, I only God. know one thing. I only know one thing about the comics, and I'll, I'll work around that here before we move on to the actual show we're going to talk about. Mm-hmm. But just from what you guys are talking about, it sounds like this would be like War World Hulk or something. I mean, he, he's pretty damn strong. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if he's Hulk level strong, but he is pretty strong. Uh, I I would say he's probably more like Kalibak, uh from from Darkseid's army, or a Lobo maybe, or he just wants to fight people. No, a little bit of that. Yeah, I, I, but disciplined. Yeah, if Lobo if yeah. Lobo had trained as a samurai with a mace. Uh, yeah, with mace. <laughs> <laughs> the mace is important. Wow. <laughs> so he's a Hawkman. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's, that's, that's equivalent. Yeah. He, he, he's a dude. He's, he's humanoid, but he's also got the face of a lion. Yeah. It's like a, like a white tiger or something. Uh, yeah, you, some, some kind of cat. He, he has a mane. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, that was, <laughs> that was definitely the most, that was the best thing I watched this week. I mean, other than the show that we're talking about. It sounds like a He-Man character more than anything. That's fair. That's equivalent, yeah. But he's got a better design. Shout out to Ryan Otley for that one. You did a good job, dude. <laughs> okay, let's get into talking about the... Wait, wait, wait. wait. Oh. Oh. I was just going to mention... <laughs> I was going to round about to it. The only thing I know about... Oh, by the way, and I did a quick like Google search for Battle Beast. It's also apparently a heavy metal Finnish band with Same. like... It looks like a lady frontman. Which is, I want to go back to that on my own time here. That looks really interesting. Uh, but, um, 
the thing I wanted to mention that I know about Invincible, because I used to work at a library, uh, a couple of other people kind of corollary to this, um, but uh, I remember when I used to shelve comic books as well, or graphic novels, Invincible was in, in them, and I was like, what is this? This looks violent, whatever. And um, this might be a spoiler, so I'm not going to actually say the thing, but... There was we, particular... we, are, we are getting delivered the series uh, seemingly out of order. They rejiggered events, so okay. tread carefully. Yes, uh, I will not say what actually happens here. Let's just say that it is a very... Um, if they do this in the animated series, uh, it's going to be very interesting uh, because it's sort of a role reversal for like a power play between a male and a female. That's all I want to really say about it right now. But if they do Knowing that... John, this is a sexual thing. Yes, Knowing John, it is. Okay, it. we haven't gotten anything for this yet. <laughs> okay, so like I said, from just from what I've seen of that one issue of the comic, I'm like, whoa, Like this is something that doesn't belong in the kid section, <laughs> for sure. Yeah, I, I, I don't think they're going to stray away from anything. I also, wanted, yeah. I, I also wanted to say that they really have buried the lead, and I know I used that already once in this podcast but they buried the lead on adam eve's powers like yeah she has reality warping powers she created a door in her bedroom to go outside like she uses it to her uses her powers to fly and to like make force fields i thought she was like a a, a invisible woman like analog but no she can she is super powerful why is it that she is not used more in her powers like <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if she's just like basically used her powers for small things up until now, you know, like she knows what she can do, but maybe she's been using it for smaller things for a reason. I, I don't know, but her powers are nuts. Her powers. And I like that there's like a visual thing to it too. When she like, when she opens, like she puts the door in the wall and you see like the line form for the thing. Right. It's not like a whole like, and it's there. Yeah, no. Yeah. It, it's definitely, yeah. I don't know. So okay. She's more like a raven, maybe a little bit. Uh it's it's like a it's like a a raven like, and a starfire put together. Oh, yeah, interesting. Yeah, uh, just not as emotional either way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that Invincible's on Amazon Prime. Uh, the other two shows I talked about are on Netflix. Okay, let's talk about the Falcon and the Winter Soldier episode four. Mm-hmm. Four, yeah, four. Yeah, four. Uh, the world is watching. Spoilers, if you hadn't watched it yet, we're going to get right into it. Man, they released the Zemo cut. Like, that was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I was so happy, guys. I was like, they did it. Those crazy sons of bitches did it. <laughs> we got I, to, like, was there actually an hour's worth of, of yes. Zemo out there dancing somewhere? Like, you can watch a video of an hour's worth? Well, it's a loop. It's the same video that they released, but it's a loop. Oh, but it was okay. also released by Marvel, so they did both. Okay, because I saw like a minute and a half, maybe. Yeah, I, I saw the the forty second one that we we released that that I saw yeah. from Disney Plus. That's, but that's the one hour cut. Is that just constantly playing over and over? Yeah, <laughs> I heard a lot of people like praising the music that they chose for it and like stuff like that. Just like it was it's a funny great it's a funny thing to have them sit there he's he's doing his fist pump and <laughs> and the finger twirl <laughs> you know they just told daniel Brohl to get out there like hey just dance man just just improvise just yeah. improvise something and that's like the best the one clap, they came up with the, the yeah. clap is what really got me i was like yeah, yeah he doesn't know how to dance at all <laughs> 
Uh, but seriously, Lamar Hoskins, Battlestar, dead. Uh, how yeah. do we feel about that? How, how does everybody feel about the death of uh, a sidekick or a partner? You know, the way they played it, it reminded me, and it, I mean, it's not meant to be funny, but uh, it reminded me of a joke on like Robot Chicken, where the Joes and the Cobras are constantly firing their blue and red lasers like above each other's heads. Mm-hmm. And then one of them happened to hit another guy and everybody oh, just yeah. stops. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, wait, like, I know we're all fighting to the death, but like, I think he's actually hurt guys. Like, <laughs> everybody just pauses right there. Like, oh, shit. It, it was interesting because there, there's um in Yu Yu Hakusho throughout the entire series, people are having these crazy like knockdown drag out fights where insane stuff is happening. There's people who are like just growing bone spikes and like obliterating whole like arenas of people with a demonic aura alone. And then there's a scene where a bad guy is like sh- a shapeshifter and he makes his hand into a gun and he shoots the good guy in the series, like in the belly. And everyone's like, Oh fuck, he got hurt. <laughs> Yusuke's been ruined. Like he- he's been hurt for like months on end, recuperating on the ground and everything. But you bring a gun into it and everyone's like, Whoa, Whoa, no, stop. <laughs> And that happened earlier too. Like in the early earlier in this episode, again, kind of spoiler alerts. Zemo shot uh, Carly with what looked like a gut shot, or at least graced her. But like we yeah. didn't even have—I didn't have near close that reaction either to that than I did to yeah, Battlestar getting like put down. I was like, <clears throat> Whoa! I think that the closest one to this kind of death was—I forget his name right now. Uh, even Stevens, help me. Shia LaBeouf? Yeah, Shia LaBeouf in uh, Constantine. Constantine? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. every, everything else has been happening, all this crazy stuff, and then you just see this one normal-ass person just get wrecked by the environment. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's, it's very similar. Like, there was a... There's, there's a oh, so uh, if you ever watched a movie called Ong Bak... Uh, oh, yeah. So yeah. there's the scene in that where throughout the whole movie you're following and spoilers for Ongbok, if you hadn't seen it, it's, you know, 15 <laughs> it's years what, old. 12 years? Yeah. <laughs> um, there's a scene, you know, there, there's a character in one of the versions of the movie, he's, he's, he's called Dirty Balls like uh, <laughs> throughout the whole movie. So he goes to protect the head of a statue that's fallen off and uh, the guy that's about to crush it with a sledgehammer, like he just hits him hits him with the sledgehammer mm-hmm. so like his internal injuries just he dies from and like throughout the whole movie you watch as the protagonist is just going around brutally kicking people hitting them with weapons like everything but this dude gets hit by the a sledgehammer and dies and you're like whoa <laughs> it's because they, he was justified it's john wick rules it they is. took his elephant in ongbok that's protector <laughs> What? Holy! Oh my God! <laughs> In Angbok, they took the statue. No! <laughs> it's so backwards. I forgot everything. It's Fifteen okay. years. Forgive me. I forgive you. Uh, but yeah, so I want to get you brought it up that that Carly gets shot, and in that scene, we saw Zemo crushing all that's left of the super soldier serum that Nagel had created. Um, mm-hmm. except for one vial. So n- 
Zemo takes a a Captain America shield to the head and not just one that like John Walker was like punching with. No, it's one that he threw, which to me, huh? Oh, like we saw people get like life altering injuries in this. Yes. (laughs) Just like a, Hey, you go over there. Like that. (laughs) You could have just said those words instead of doing the things they did to the other person. So like he hits him. I was like, I, I don't see how Zemo didn't die from getting a shield to the head. But he didn't. Uh, he gets knocked out, and there's one vial left, and Walker picks it up. He puts it in his one of his pouches, uh, making Rob Liefeld very happy. But, like, <laughs> the next time we see him, he proposedly, like, has, ta- has taken the vial, right? He has to have. Because well, we, we see him we fighting see him that one dude. We see him other times. We see oh, him. A, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You're right. We see him fight the Dormelage after that yeah, scene, yeah. and he loses. And he's like, and I think that's when he decided to take it because yeah. afterwards he has that conversation with Battlestar and says, "Hey, like, if you were offer it, would you take it?" And mm-hmm. Battlestar is like, "Hell yeah. yeah," or something like that. Well, you also take into account that he he's like, we got beat by them, and they weren't even super soldiers. Like, yeah. it's like, yeah, no, they're just very disciplined and really yeah, good at like fighting. Like, that's their some whole of the life. best warriors. I don't know why this is a revelation for him. Like I, I appreciate the things that they did in this one to set the idea that power only makes you more of who you already are. Mm-hmm. That's perfect. That's all. That's everything I needed for them from them for this going forward. But the, the idea that this person who's trained and been put up against other people at a million different avenues in life would be surprised that someone could be, better than somebody else without any artificial help seems crazy to me. Yeah. I mean, that's also just him as a person, but there have to have been times where he underestimated somebody else who is like brand new or they're like 45 and never trained for anything. And then he sees them excel in some competition, you know, like why would that be a big shocker for him? Yeah. This is a guy who looks like he's not used to losing. That's fair. But no, I, I feel like you get that history of like when he's talking to uh, Lamar about like if they only knew what we really did in Afghanistan, mm-hmm. you know, those those medals wouldn't mean as much as they that's, think they would. Like, no, I feel like he, he understands what loss is. It's just he's been able to survive and, and, and be a good soldier to this point. John, you, you were going to say something that you were saying that's also something um, like about his motivations, I think. Uh, well, no, it's exactly what Mitch was talking about. Uh, I was hoping we could discuss that philosophical yeah, philosophical point about, like, if people only knew what we had to do. Like, they specifically mentioned Afghanistan. And I, w- I was wondering if that was a meta-commentary on real life. Um, uh, not to get too into, like, the actual politics about it, but, I mean, like, I've seen people, ex-veterans and stuff, like, talk in, like, unsanctioned you know interviews and youtube channels of like yeah like no we're not really the keepers of freedom and peace like we were doing some pretty like questionable things and like to to talk about them is considered like almost traitorous not quite you know um betray your country but like hey like like you know that's the things that we need to do to keep things moving and whatever but like yeah like the the fact that they kind of brought that up slightly but acknowledged it Mm -hmm. i'm like yeah, that sounds um, interesting that they're going that route, and they're definitely pointing out that like 
yeah, you know, like as a military, as a country, and as a government, um, are we really the good guys? I think there's there's a lot of very clear commentary in this one. The idea that they have for the whole GRC, that's just the United States, personally, in what yeah. they're trying to do for metaphors for this one. This this is emblematic of U.S. facing outwards and in like well and inwards, I guess, issues like it's U.S. issues. It's not just this global thing that they're dealing with. Do you guys think the commentary that they have in this moves the needle at all? Cause mm. for me personally, like my life is very much shaped by the metaphorical uh, pop culture media stuff that I took in. But I know this was also when I was younger, there's a lot more of stuff that's very clear cut. Does this do anything? Uh, I mean, I think for the people that want to see it, then yeah, it, it helps point it out. Uh, it helps it helps put a spotlight on it. But I think for mo- the most part, most people are just going to watch this as as these are superheroes fighting it out kind of thing. I think no, the, there's actually a very real backlash going on from what I've seen also from other people who are like, oh, this thing is, is this show is basically promoting an un American and globalist <laughs> agenda. Some of them do skew like a little bit to the right or have conspiracy like things in them. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, a lot of them are basically saying, you see the 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 uh, Disney is trying to push this idea that we have to become a one world government and that like, it's a good thing and um yeah. If anything, I, I would say that this is against that in a lot of ways. Well, I, I think, think it's saying that pe- people should unite. Governments don't need to. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I, I think you're definitely seeing like, I, I don't know. Maybe I'm just not smart enough, but I think you're seeing that like some of the ideas of the Flag, flag Smashers is a great idea. Some of the ideas of the GRC is a great idea. Mm-hmm. Like it's not like the, the, black the, and the white. letter of the, the, like the, the let the the yeah the letter of the GRC, not the actual like action of the GRC. Correct. Yes. Yes. The 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 message that both sides are trying to portray are are good ideas, but we're not like because you can't just leave half the world's population being coming back and being like, well, fuck them, you know, like they weren't here for five years, so we don't need to. No, you can't do that. They they, <laughs> they are essentially refugees also. But then the people that made a life for themselves, like they shouldn't be screwed over uh, just because people came back. Like I get it. There's, there's definitely things about, and you know, it goes back to Thanos's thing. It's like there's just not enough resources for all the people that exist. So yeah, well, it's, it's interesting. Like for for this one, there's a lot of socioeconomic implications for stuff in this that's directly on display. I in trying to save one group, you end up working against another group all the time. Mm-hmm. That's, that's just something that we've seen all throughout human history. But I just don't know if this does anything with this one. Like no matter what, even though it's, it's still in a show that's got like super major fun time, super major punchies, you know, like you've got your action and your good times. If they can still, move the needle at all but i guess if you move one person that's still better than none but there's just so much that they're trying to comment on at once that i think a lot of it's gonna just get lost i mean for a six episode show yeah a lot of it is going to get lost it's all very surface and and you're not going to be able to deep dive into any of it um it's all and it, it all comes down to punchy punchy 
Mm-hmm. Well, they, they're breezing through it because we had that moment happen in, I think, the previous episode where they're, uh, all four of them are riding on the back of that truck and he says something to the effect of like, yeah, like the ref- refugees are, are, are seen as terrorists in the eyes of the people who have the stuff that they need or something like that. You know? mm-hmm. it's, yeah, it's, it's very much of the haves and the have-nots, but they, they mentioned it in like those two sentences and then boom, we're gone because there was like a you know, another poignant moment and we separate and then we go off into something different. Yeah. It it's it's a weird balance to have to strike. Obviously like they're they're making something that's trying to have a genuine commentary and criticism inside of a whole greater beast. And we've had that in comics before. Like where where one thing is trying to say something, but they're still stuck with being compared to a thing that's just capes and masks, you know? But do you think this changes anyone's mind about how they look at something and i i know i asked that already but in this one i can't help but think the entire time about the people who just went and took like almost ignoring the meaning of it the punisher symbol and Mm. put that on their chests on the on their shirts and patches and stuff entirely ignoring everything else about it is do we get a new one of those in this I was talking to Naima about it, and she's like, like she was bringing up the fact that there'd be plenty of people who thought that Captain America in this was entirely justified. Oh yeah, no, I think I think you're definitely going to have a lot of people say that he's justified. The only the bad part about it is that it's caught on camera, like mm-hmm. that. That's the only reason why it's it's a bad thing. Like, I mean, I'm not saying that's what how I feel. I'm just saying that's how the show will portray it. Yeah. Um, I think that. I don't think, unfortunately, I don't think that this show is going to change anybody's opinion on on that level of uh, social economic in, uh, issue. Um, mm-hmm. It's just not. I, I don't think you know, that's what this show is going to do, and that's not what Disney's going to do. I'll tell you one thing: if John Walker has gained any new fans after the end of this show, I need to like unfriend those people like ASAP. <laughs> okay, yep. as long as you said new fans, because I've. <laughs> I was a fan of John Walker back in the, before, so. And I was um, like, oh, you know what? That was an interesting turn, but I really kind of like where they're going with the character. <laughs> I was honestly kind of surprised that they gave John Walker the super soldier serum after a moment that we had that we saw that I thought perfectly embodied John Walker as his version of Cap. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought he would have had to have gotten the super soldier serum after we saw this kind of moment, but we saw him going up those stairs with the shield in front of him and the gun poking out over it. Right. That was perfect. That was a perfect encapsulation of everything about him and everything that I think is wrong with him as captain America. A shield is also used as the weapon, you know, Mm -hmm. but then he also has a gun that's pointing outwards. Mm -hmm. So it's not just this defensive thing. It was so perfect. But then right after that, he has the super soldier serum and we see another thing that's a perfect encapsulation of him as Captain America where he's got the bloody shield that he just killed somebody with like it was an axe. So, yeah, uh, when he's chasing a guy down the stairs is, I mean, we kind of get it when he hears Lamar get taken. Like he's using like his heightened hearing, I guess, uh, to try and figure out where Lamar is. But when he's coming down the stairs, after that, like the guy tries to hit him with a some type of pipe that you know mm-hmm. would, would be very strong or durable, and he bends it around the guy's arms. Uh, mm-hmm. That's when 
Sam or Buck? I don't remember who, which one it was. One of them sees it for the first time and is like, uh-oh, Sam. it's Sam. Okay. Yeah, he, he's, yeah. he says, what did you do? Yeah, he says, what did you do? And so this is when we know for sure that he, he has taken the super soldier serum at, at, at this point. Why Someone pointed it out. We, we saw a moment before that that should have cued us off already. Which was? When he threw the shield and it went into the concrete like halfway. Oh, I didn't think about that. I guess I, the part for me before was before the bar when he threw that guy down the stairs and he dented the like the like emergency case for a fire extinguisher or whatever. Mm. That was the part for me. It was before the bar. But someone pointing out like, no, that shield went halfway into that concrete. <laughs> was like, okay, no, yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. So then you're right. The clues are there. Why did we not get the scene of him? like having to put like injected into himself or whatever, you know, however it is that you're supposed to take this, this new serum, you drink it, you inject it. I don't know. Uh, I was wondering if he would just waste it. Like he goes to use it and he's like, Hey, cause there's not like a needle I, on it. Yeah. I, I wanted to ask this actually, what is a serum? How is that different from any other type of fluid that is so, for a, a serum as a word gets used in a lot of different ways. Even if you just use it for, um, like, like a skincare product. Yeah. It's a, it's a, a distillation. Serum. It's a distillation of something else that gets applied. Okay. That's all, so I, that's not, all I think of for serum. So it's not how you take it. It's just how it's made. It's I how, don't know. It's, it's a vehicle to bring something else to you. I'll take that. Ah, uh, okay. So yeah, it's so something, so the, it's a medium and then it's got like the stuff in it. Yes. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Okay. So how you take it, it could be topical. It could be intravenous. It could be ingested. Correct. Mm-hmm. I like but, to think that he like rubbed it on himself, just like <laughs> lathered it. <laughs> I figure it's just like a bath bomb. He he drew himself a bath, he poured it in, and he just soaked in it. That's exactly it, yeah. how it happened. Real, real spiritual, like he had like he had like a like warm sake while he did it. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, it could be an enema too. Then <sighs> it could. I, I mean, mean that, it, it listen, was the right you shape. Would absorb it directly. It, it'll work <laughs> straight in there. Um, uh, it did. Didn't it look like those vials had like a pony end though? Like maybe it was like an epipen that you could like just punch it into yourself too. It did come into a triangle. It was like a cone, but it didn't have yeah. any needle that we could see. Like they what if definitely it was a protector, pointed out because you wouldn't want the needle just exposed. What would it like? There was like a little cap on it. Uh, that's what I, I'm gonna. Maybe. In my in my mind, I'm gonna choose to believe that those are super soldier epipens. Okay. It to me it looks like there's like a, a dot or like a, a teardrop shaped container that they make for food dyes. That's what it looked like to me. Oh yeah. Where the the container of it, like the actual main body of it, was glass and the top was metal. That's what it looked like. And I figure it's just like how you would get a, a insulin shot. Like there is a soft end, and you just put the the needle in there. But I, I have Punch no it idea. In your stomach. That's that's what I'm saying. It's like why did we not? get that scene of him applying it to himself was it just so that we could get the surprise of oh no he's already taken it or do you think, think it was that. they shot that scene and they cut it out i don't think they shot it it, mm-hmm. it would it would make sense for them too but i think it's also there, there's so much else about the reveal later on in that episode release that think, the inoculation shot <laughs> <laughs> I, I just feel like the thing that happens immediately after it means that showing it before that would have stolen something from it what if you had just shown a scene where he's in the bathroom and like he's debating on whether or not to take it and they never actually show him take it? That That's done in the conversation between him and Lamar. So you're saying I'm just a bad writer? 
No, <laughs> not at all. I, I think I think that they have they, they have an ebb and a flow no. of things, uh-huh. and they hit all the things that they needed to with something else. That showing him do it wouldn't have added. Mm. If that makes a, sense, you're not a bad writer, Mitch. You just know that some of the audience might be dense and not understand Fair. what happened in context. There's so 100. Without <laughs> there's absolutely a group of people who went. Wait, but is he going to take the serum now? <laughs> After the episode ended and everything else that we saw, there is a group of people who. It's like, like wait a minute, just having it in his pocket automatically give him the power? That's right. It's, it's, a, it's a stone. <laughs> <laughs> so let's get to that last scene. He chases down the one guy, the one guy of the resistance or freedom fighters, uh, flag smashers, that said that he was a fan of Captain America when he was a kid chases him down and that guy's like i didn't do it it wasn't me that killed your friend and he's like i I mean he doesn't say it but he's like i don't care and he just you know continues to beat the crap out of him with the shield to the point where he he, the guy's dead like he jumps out of a window and lands on a car he does the superhero landing right Mm -hmm. uh we've seen steve rogers do similar stuff we saw him get, get beat almost to death by thanos like how is is this particular super soldier serum weaker than the one that was in yes. uh, Steve Rogers? Yes. It's got to be. It's got to yes, be, right? Uh, Nate, it was also based on the previous version. Well, it's based yeah, off of the Nate, one that we get from Isaiah, from Isaiah's mm-hmm. blood. Nagel, uh, in the conversation when they that they had in that uh, freight car, whatever that was, that the annexed thing, um, he says that... The original Super Soldier Serum was like too gaudy because it made Steve Rogers like so bulky. Mm. He says like I streamlined it to be more elegant, more subtle, and I'm thinking that's just a writing device so that you don't have to get super jacked people to play those Super Soldiers. <laughs> it could just be a normal person that's just stronger. But yeah, he did mention that it's not uh, up to the same level. Yeah, but the, um, the Super but Soldier Serum that they used on Bucky uh, d- doesn't have the didn't make him super jacked. Like he's muscular, he jacked. but he's yeah. not any more different than when he was when he was just a regular soldier. I mean, I would I would say Steve Rogers after the first movie isn't Steve Rogers right post Super Soldier Serum either because <laughs> he's, he's he's freaking like Masters of the Universe Arnold Schwarzenegger or like. No, that, that's Dolph Lundgren. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, he's like insane proportions. You don't put that much pectoral muscle on a human, except for like you when he's holding the when he's holding <laughs> the, the 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 helicopter in Winter Soldier. Like that's that's, that's all arms, baby. That's arms and pecs. You could see his pecs <laughs> you know what? popping out of that shirt. To, to be fair, though, and there was a YouTube channel I was watching a while back where somebody who does weight training and like knows a lot about steroids like firsthand apparently like as a as a like the the whole like gimmick of his channel is that he watches people who are jacked in movies and tries to guess like their regimen and what they were on Mm. to get that physique and so on and he talks about how like because that takes so much work and you have to be like pumping constantly and um you know he says like you know just so you know everyone that you see that's buff on screen is taking something that is not natural doesn't matter how much they work out you know it it could be that they're on like an intense supplement regimen or something but they're taking something and like it's not, many, they're, they're not just eating rice and chicken and then yes. working out a lot yes it's they, they're, not still, they're still creatine I, or something else i feel like they're, you they're could, taking you could you could go through like 
Camille Nanjani's like tweets and stuff like that, or his his public because he's talked so much about what he's done, mm-hmm. what he had to do to get his physique the way it is. I'm sure, I'm sure he if if he's having him take something, which if it could be just supplements or creatine mm-hmm. or something like that, I'm sure he he talks about it. Yeah, because I don't think Camille's going to be a person who's like, no, I've secretly been doing this. Like, yeah. No, no, he, he's he's very open. He's very open. Yeah, like Sylvester Stallone was like, um, like it was like kind of kept hush hush, but he was almost got detained. Well, because nobody really acknowledges it. We're all just kind of like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. But yeah, he was busted trying to smuggle in like human growth hormone when he was trying to go to like Australia or something because he, he constantly ex- has the Expendables two or something like that. Yeah, one of those movies. Because yeah, he constantly has to be doing it. Because like after like the age of thirty, I think the human like the male body doesn't produce enough testosterone anymore to yeah. stay in that kind of shape. Mm-hmm. So you have to be taking something when you're past a certain age. Um, and yeah, so like they pointed it out that like for those scenes where you see them like super jacked up, they call those like the superhero shots where like they open the doors to the the Vita Ray chamber and you see him with those huge pecs or like the scene where he's holding the helicopter. I was like, no, those were usually the very last things that they shot because yep. they had to make sure he was in the best shape possible prior to release. And like he was probably pumping for like a good solid like couple of months before that to and get well, to that I'm point. Thinking, and like in that same hour, oh, like yeah. you do yeah. your workout and then go right over there to go yeah. do that scene. So, so you're, you're still like nice and swollen and like and have all that and, definition. And, and, yeah, like hypervascular. Yeah. Yeah. And you have to also be like dehydrated so that it shows up more. And like they say, that's also like a really like you know it it's not really a secret but like yeah like if you knew all the shit that people do they have to do to look to that point is like you'd probably wouldn't want to do it it's just so much work i feel mm-hmm. like hugh jackman talks about that too a lot when he had to yeah. play wolverine like he talks about yeah, it. And, zach efron and zach manganello efron, yeah, yeah uh, manganello does a lot okay so <laughs> to break away from the superhero this uh, is workout the star trek podcast muscle work like workout regimen podcast how the the ending scene of the camera spinning around like you see before you see the shield covered half in blood which is already you know which is a very like interesting scene um you is see it based in any comic images by the I, way not that i can think of i'm sure there is plenty of john walker uh as us agent or captain america with bloody shield because that's how they made his character you see the a first you see the a on his yeah. shoulder like with with a like blood on it and i'm like that that seemed very powerful to me and then they show half the shield and i was like oh fuck okay <laughs> <laughs> we went all the way like it's 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 the captain america symbol it's it's to show it's covered in blood like that's what this show is doing more than anything else to be like yeah america did some things like we saw in the first avenger like captain america was using a gun he would kick mm-hmm. in a door he would shoot people he yes we're shooting nazis so it's good like we we're okay with it but you never see him <laughs> drowned in blood you don't see any blood on the outfit kind of thing unless yeah unless you get to you know a fight with thanos and it's his own blood like that's that's a we, different th- story we didn't see blood like at all and then this one it was almost cartoonish when they had lamar get thrown into the thing mm-hmm. and then his like dramatic like one head drop second head drop now he's dead <laughs> like it was almost cartoonish in this moment even though it was heavy but we saw it the camera was right there and then 
he goes outside and goes and kills the shit out of that dude. But we just saw a hand mm-hmm. fall down. It was very odd because it was probably for them to set up showing that shield imagery right afterwards. So you don't see something and then holy shit, you're seeing something. Mm-hmm. But it did honestly feel a little bit weird that we saw right before that like directly camera in Lamar's face, the consequences of the flag smashers actions. And then for just a moment, we didn't see the consequences of post nine 11 caps, uh, actions. Yeah. I it's, it's, I mean that that's the, the last half of the show is the most dramatic thematic. I don't know conflict heavy uh the first half mm-hmm. i mean we get to see we see sam that does uh, tries to do to resolve this in a different way like he is there to talk to carly like hey you're going about this the wrong way you you we we can we can work together and figure this out like you don't need to kill people like you have a good message but uh because john walker shows up and is headstrong and you know all about might is right like it scares her or at least drives her away and and that's the unfortunate part where that, 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 where that comes from the, I want to ask the Intel that Carly has is, is that from somebody? Is that Sharon Carter? Like, I don't know. I think it, I think it's, I'm leaning a little bit more towards where you're at with this one, Mitch, because we had talked about the fact that, uh, it might be her own actions that she's reporting Mm -hmm. by saying, uh, well, I think she might still be an agent of the power broker directly, if not the power broker. It's very odd. <laughs> I mean, she has satellites at her disposal. That's, yeah, uh, she has satellites. That's, that's, in the, that's not henchman stuff. That's like the leader stuff. But like, yeah, her being the power broker, and then also if she is helping Carly, like, I don't know. It's all it's playing two sides of the thing, but not playing it well. Like, but it, it if if two sides of a conflict that do have a lot of power come to blows, the, the person in the middle is the one who stands to gain the most. But it's like, she's playing three sides. Cause if she's playing the power broker and mm-hmm. she's telling Carly, Hey, I need, I need the, the serum back. Like you, you stole the serum and give it back to me, even though it's already been broken. And then she's also helping Carly by giving her Intel on Sam. And then she's also helping Sam by giving her Intel, giving him Intel on who is actually going to get attacked, John Walker. Like, that's playing three different sides. But in that situation, she's still... Like, if she is if she is the power broker or working for the power broker, in that situation, the title is the power broker. The person who sells the weapons stands to gain something from two sides being at conflict with each other. Uh, yeah, it's true. You're right. Like, yeah, okay. I... I, I <laughs> The the intel that I Carly converted ha- him. <laughs> the Car- the intel that Carly has like uh, on Sam's sister and you know Sam's life before meeting him, uh, getting Sam's sister's cell phone number, like it all mm-hmm. seemed too convenient and not not enough backup like backstory for it for me. So I'm, I agree. I'm really wondering who who it is if it's not Sharon Carter that could be helping her. Mm-hmm. The the other thing that I like this is a very small nitpick, uh, and I think it's easily pushed over. Also, was we saw Sam do a pretty good job of talking to Carly 
in that moment. And the thing that he cites for why he was able to do this pretty well was that he counseled traumatized soldiers right. in the past. Why did he fucking suck in that counseling session? The, the one with Carly? Well, no, in, in, um, in the counseling session with Bucky. Oh. Because he did well with Carly, honestly. Yeah, he, he used good tools. I think that's because, like, as much as Sam might be a good counselor, uh, he, he's not invested in Carly or, like, on a personal level or with the other soldiers that he has in those meetings. As with Buck, like, the two of them have fought together and they're, they're you know, as much as they say they aren't friends, they are friends. They're teammates, mm-hmm. they're friends. And it and and honestly, it's just the writers making for it makes for lethal weapon. Like it's it's that much. <laughs> it's a better conflict between the two of them instead of having the two him being actually good at being in therapy. Like that make you're mm-hmm. right. That that doesn't make any sense story wise. Uh, but for whatever reason, he just thinks that Bucky can just pull through it on his own. He doesn't need any help. <laughs> like that's he's strong. Not- oh, I remember my joke, Mitch. Okay, I couldn't remember my joke. I remembered it now. We talked about the fact that we, like it was going to be a long time until we got a certain kind of character in superhero movies. Turns out, Marvel beat DC to the punch, and they did Arm Fall Off Boy first. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's funny seeing as how we just had the the trailer <laughs> where you see that, but yes. Um. Hey, this is also a callback to one of our last podcasts where we mentioned that Maybe Bucky has a Konami code to like reactivate him. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what happened. They tapped him with a specific pattern, and it, that happened. He's got a little D pad right there. Yeah, I mean that was. Uh, it's like it's essentially using pressure points, but they they moved it around. It's not exactly the right kind. Uh, and he is like completely stunned when she's doing it. Not at, uh, he's stunned after his arm falls off. But like, what are you doing? And then boop ah arm fell off <laughs> fuck <laughs> uh which is interesting because the end of the beginning of the episode is him remembering you know them going through the breaking of his uh original konami code his his trigger words and that was a very well acted it's very well acted it's 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 really well written you know you see all the emotions on his face and for a scene that is not that long and not that much to it uh, it was great. Mm-hmm. The Dormelage fight scene, like I love that Zemo is like, well, I'm just gonna stay over here <laughs> and then sneak out. Like he doesn't do much. Hey, how how many of the Dormelage showed up? Three. So would you say that this is a Dormelage toi? <laughs> I I shouldn't have I'm answered. Not, I should not I'm have not answered. Mad. I'm not mad. <laughs> I'm just disappointed. <laughs> I, I I always respect wordplay. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure that's that one of the writers that was working on the show was like, "This is gonna get someone specific." <laughs> so. hey, I'm only saying it because the girls aren't here. That's all. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The ladies, Blame it on them. The ladies would be a lot more angry at you at at this point. Uh, so there you go. Uh, is there any more about the, the episode that you wanted to bring up? I, I think no, I, I got my arm fall off boy joke in there. I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I did have sort of a tangential thing related to the shield. Um, 
I think, or I may be misremembering, but I want to say that somewhere I've heard, or this is just my own headcanon, that the shield is not 100% vibranium. That there's something in it that's um, as guardian also. Maybe not Uru metal like the like Thor's hammer, but something similar that responds to like psychic uh, like commands. That mm, this is one of the ways. That, yeah, that this is one of the ways it would explain why, like when Spider-Man says that that thing doesn't obey the laws of physics, and why it seems to know when to like bounce off things and come back, and like those very specific trajectories. Um, and I was wondering if, if well, if something like that does exist in comics. Uh, if that would also be one of the ways it would explain why Captain America was able to wield Mjolnir, not just because he's worthy, but because he has experience with like some kind of a combination of Asgardian tech. Hmm. I mean, I know that the shield in the comic books has been destroyed and rebuilt many times. Uh, I know at one point when in my history with Captain America, the shield was half vibranium, half adamantium. That's the one I remember. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't remember anything about a uh, part as Guardian Metal, but I'm sure at some point they it was in there because uh, when the MCU really took off, like they were getting away from the Marvel Comics were getting away from X Men stuff, so I'm sure they didn't use Animantium. They could have used Vibranium and Uru or some other as Guardian Metal. I am. I was just wondering because that would explain so much about it, and it would fit perfectly. Like Marvel at me with this. Well, I've, I always out. felt like the the Super Soldier Serum also boosted um, Steve's intelligence. Why that would be why he was a great st- strategist and would like able to calculate geometry on the fly, mm. so that when he threw it, that he knew when it would bounce back. But that I think that was just my head cannon. I don't think that was ever like something that happened. I think at the very least, he would have to increase blood flow just to compensate for muscle things. So. By that, it could influence. It could up a bunch of other stuff. So you you would have um, a greater ability to process. Um, or what is the word I'm looking for here? Uh, so like the the human super go juice that we make, adrenaline, uh, adrenaline, uh, and then and then like inside of that, you could have higher like faster brain function. You would be in super intense fight or flight survival mode a lot more often and able to sustain that kind of thing. In all the ways that applies, yeah, I, I think that's that's appropriate. Like he, he would just on a physiological level, you'd have to. So. I'd like to see like if they slowed it down when he's throwing the shield, it becomes like that scene in was it uh, the the hangover? hangover? <laughs> yeah, when you start seeing the calculations kind of fly at you, uh-huh. like the white lettering, <laughs> he becomes a beautiful mind. <laughs> Uh, I'm upset that there's only two more episodes. Uh, I don't, I don't know. It seems like there's a lot to cover in those last two episodes. Uh, the last two episodes are supposed to be what? Two and a half hours a piece. <laughs> sure. <There's>, so, <laughs> well, somebody did come out and say that there was a leak of the next episode already. And that the next episode is definitely over an hour. Ooh, I'll take it. That, that could be counting the credit sequences. Cause those are pretty long. Those and then like there's a stinger minutes. at the end. Yeah, we haven't gotten any end credit stuff lately, have we? Like on any of these so far. No. Also, this. Oh, go ahead, John. I was just going to ask. This is a limited series, right? Like, there's no plans, like with WandaVision, to have a follow up to this. Correct. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, someone pointed out this to me. When you're watching the credits, 
uh, and it's uh, when they show the actor's name of the of a person that's played something in this, like it bursts out from the paper, like, and then they say, you know, uh, Emily Van Camp as Sharon Carter, like, or not as Sharon mm-hmm. Carter, but they show Karen. There are blanks in those, so there are definitely more actors and and characters that are supposed to show up in the next. Like, there's like three blanks where that doesn't. Have they happen. been filled? Have they been filled yes. in over time? Okay. Yeah, apparently that's when when Zemo showed up. They 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 filled in his, and when uh, Sharon Carter showed up, they filled in hers. So hmm. uh, that means that there's supposed to be more. Thunderbolt Ross could be in there. Uh, Steve Rogers could, or not? Thund- yeah, Steve Rogers. So Chris Chris Evans. I don't know. It. it hmm. I I think that's an interesting point to to point out. Okay. Did anybody did anybody think that Zemo? Was going to take this the serum at one point when he saw it on the ground? No, no. not even for a second. Not even for a second. No, I did. I, honestly, the The biggest shock for me was that no one was like scooping up leftover serum, like trying to lick the floor. Yeah, like nobody. Is it alcohol based? Is it is it just evaporate and then it's gone once it's out of the liquid state? I don't understand why it's just non viable. Yeah, like, we're gonna get a, became contaminated. That was a pretty dirty floor. We're gonna get a whole bunch of super powered cats. Like it's yes, <laughs> or ants. Uh, Ant Man. Hey, they, it, that's gonna be in the next Ant Man movie. Like Ant Man's you know, gonna go up against a super powered ant. The super soldier <laughs> ant. Um, I. I it I guess maybe it's kind of telling the way the characters are like being written and portrayed, but I have much more faith in the integrity of Zemo than I did of John Walker. Absolutely. So when I that mean, scene came up, I was like, if one of these two is going to take it, it's not going to be Zemo. But it's not a bad thing. Like it, the the serum itself, as they pointed out, it's it's they point it out every time. Like it amplifies who you are. Is mm-hmm. Zemo a bad guy? Is is John Walker a bad guy? Who you know? It, it's it's all gray. Well, they they both done bad things. I guess the point is the motivation. Well, so has Bucky. Now, Bucky killed a yeah. lot of people. The one that was they, out of his control, though. You're That's right. Fair. That's that. You're absolutely right. The one thing that I think that we are getting right now is that we're supposed to have gotten a head nod to the idea that Bucky is a worthy successor. Or that Falcon is a worthy successor, but not Falcon so much, personally. Um, because they, they paired the, those two kind of statements together next to each other, where someone says, but there haven't been more Steve Rogers. And they, you know? Well, you can see he, they were about this. to say Isaiah, but they did. But he Sam backed off from saying it. I, that's fair. I, I didn't take that away from it. Really? I, I more thought later on, there was a part where... I, I forget exactly the part of it now, like this damn fun conversation um, throwing me off. But there was a part where it also seemed like Zemo was okay with Bucky as a person who does still have the serum. Mm. Because he says like, do you want Buck? Do you want Bucky dead too? What about Buck? You know? And it doesn't seem like Zemo's like, no, yeah, he should go in a furnace. Like, it doesn't seem like that's a thing that he's thinking. But I think he also keeps it. He's not saying it just because, like, he doesn't want. He, well, not the, the friends. Is that he he knows that Buck kind of has his life in his hands right now. Like, mm. it, he knows that the dorm. He's the only thing between the Dormelage and 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 him. Like Buck is. So like, hey, I need to keep you on my side until I don't need you to be on my side. Mm. Uh, I think. Well, that, yeah, and. 
they kind of showed that earlier too when like Zemo is trying to be like a gracious host and like Bucky like smashes his drink and I was like no we're not friends dude like we we're doing this because we have a mutual thing that we need to do but like don't try to like smoosh us over and Zemo's just being Zemo but yeah I think when it comes down to it um and if he has the option to eliminate Bucky I mean that's one more super soldier he needs to check off his list and what do you think of the of the su- the supremacist the conversation Zemo had? It was golden. Like, do you that agree good. that that they're more supremacists? That that the idea of the super soldier serum itself is supremacist. No, I, I I think that anyone who would want to give it to themselves has to. I agree with that notion. Because you're not going to see that in yourself. If you're really contemplating the idea of having to give this to somebody or of giving this to somebody, I don't think you ever choose yourself. You know you're, you know who you are better than anyone else does, typically. Like, you know your wrongs and your rights. So you're going to see your flaws where someone else might not. Hmm. So I don't think I would choose to give this to myself or anything. And in a moment, if I thought I would choose to give this to myself, I know I'm not the person for this. Like, in this moment where I don't have it, I know that I'm not fit for this. Okay. Can't say that if given the opportunity, I, w- I wouldn't take it, though. <laughs> Anything else? Then if Ain't you want to get... I had to say. <laughs> you've, is, uh, you've, that's all you had to say? Yeah. If uh, you have an opinion on the show or any of the shows that we talked about today, you can find me on Twitter. I am at Mitchipedia G-E-M. G-E-M stands for... Excuse me. Geek Elite Media. <laughs> you can also find Jess on Twitter at JM Bailey Writes. John, where can people find you online? You can find me across all social media as at Magic Bollocks. Steven? I'm on Twitter as Peppermint Gent. And you can find Elizabeth and the rest of Geek Elite Media at Geek Elite Media on Twitter, at Geek Elite Media on Instagram, and Facebook.com forward slash Geek Elite Media is our Facebook page. Check out archived episodes of this podcast and other podcasts on our website, geeklymedia.com. Check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash geeklymedia for exclusive material that you can only get if you're one of our patrons. And whatever podcatcher you use to listen to us, please rate and review us. It helps spread the word of our network. But until next time, this is the Geeks Watch on the Geek Elite Media Network saying always remember to geek out. Say no to Trump. No. Dang you. (laughs) This concludes our broadcast. Beep.